Welcome to the Long Come Norwich podcast, a precisely unprofessional preamble of preposterously provocative prepositions as we preview a predictably problematic campaign for Norwich City Football Club. Fion joins me and John tonight from ACNHQ and helping us lock into full-on preview mode, it's the freshest face in the Canaries press room, Connor Southwell. Welcome to season four. Previously on ACN, we've had a glorious promotion, a pathetically tame relegation and the very essence of mid-table mediocrity. So let's jump straight into prediction mode. Connor, off of the newspapers, which of those is the season most likely to resemble, do you think? See, I've I've changed my mind on this. This time last week, I was thinking a promotion, automatic promotion celebration. And now I'm thinking probably playoff disappointment. Um... And that, that hasn't been impacted by Luton. I think it's just probably the closer we get, the more pessimistic I get, perhaps. But um, yeah, that is my prediction as we sit here tonight. Fion, of those three out- outcomes, which one are you leaning towards? I have to say I agree with Connor. I was also feeling more confident a couple of weeks ago and now I feel less confident. I don't know why that is. Um, maybe because we lost at Luton, but I like that. You can't really read too much into that, I don't think. But also, I think I'm just really struggling to get interested in this season because I know I'm probably not going to see a lot of it for a while. Um, So, yeah, uh, I'm just kind of, let's see how it goes. But uh, playoffs are fun, you know, that would be be exciting. We'll see. Um, And punt, what about you? So what were the three options again? There was mid-table mediocrity. Well, it's basically the, the three seasons of ACN so far, which is, you know, the, the perfect one where we had the parade, um, the the absolutely pathetic, disgusting, disgraceful excuse for a, for a football team that we, we put on the pitch last season. And then the one, the, the one in the first season, which was, <laughs> you know, very, very dull. I d- I'm not sure it's going to be any of those. I think we're going to get something slightly different. Um, we're not... I certainly don't think we're going to walk the league. And there's a lot of people that are getting carried away because of the kind of transfer business that we've done. And we've we've signed some real um, potential. And then we've we've signed a couple of um, proven championship performers. And I think people are really getting carried away. I mean, I, I've seen and, and read people kind of saying we can accept nothing less than a victory on Saturday. You know, we've got to win our first three games. Just... It's, it's not going to be like that. This is a championship. This is an absolute bastard of a league where, you know, it's really tough pretty much week in, week out. But beyond that, I think if Norwich can kind of weather that storm, if we can get a few results early doors, I'm kind of thinking probably a pl- bit of a playoff push. It's interesting because what you said there, film was, was was bang right. If if we'd have played a League Cup game in normal circumstances and, and lost to someone within, you know, within a league of our, our pyramid, you know, even if it was mid-table League One last year or whatever, and it was the, the normal two or three games into the season when we're losing a League Cup game, sorry, playing a League Cup game, um, then I, I would still say you can read nothing into it kind of typically. However, genuinely, I think because of, what was it, 18 players or something that is potentially could be, um, going into the game on Saturday, um, I, I really do think you have to just strike that off as well. It's un, it's really odd that we hadn't lost a preseason game already, so eventually we have lost one. I mean, the, the goalkeeping uh, bless him for the last goal, um, and and some of the some of the defending after um, uh, closer went off was 
was a little bit comical. Um, and, and so I, I really don't think you can read too much into it. The the interesting thing is that, that you said, Connor, that um, you don't think that it was Luton that affected that. You think it's just getting closer to the to the season that's that's made you feel more pessimistic. I'd be interested what you um what it was that made you feel so confident before. What was it as John suggested the transfer activity? What was it that prior to you coming back down to earth you were excited about? Um I, I think I think yeah to an extent it's it's probably their recruitment. I think the adrenaline that the transfer activity creates genuine or sort of generally is 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 part of that. But but equally I think reflecting on it a little bit more it's it's probably the concern from my perspective, um, a little bit of the new direction they're taking in terms of these transfers and what it's doing to the expectations. This exact conversation is is the reason why. And why I think that Luton performance was damaging was more for the PR element of it um, in terms of how supporters view. I mean, it's not a new era, but it, it kind of has that feel to it. And, and certainly Stuart Weber and Daniel Farker would like it to feel that way. Um, and, and it doesn't help when when you lose your your twelfth game in in all competitions. But I, I think it's it's probably um, for me the size of the squad at the moment isn't helping because you you kind of think well there's a real possibility that after ten games they could have ten or more players that haven't played a single minute and that's going to be very very difficult to sort of get any sort of togetherness um, when when you've got a squad of players with a third of which know they're not going to be anywhere near the first team squad and. That's going to be really delicate for them to manage. Um, also, the the uncertainty I would say with players, perhaps who who maybe possibly don't want to be at the club or maybe have their eyes elsewhere. I think I think that's a big factor as well. I just think that shift in mentality. As the more I thought of it as we approach the season, that's that's such a big ship to turn around. Um, and it's it's kind of a, a situation that, that Daniel Farke and Stuart Weller haven't had at Norwich. They haven't had the expectation, and I think a lot of what happened last season was done with supporters kind of accepting it a little bit in terms of the injuries and um, the mitigating circumstances. I think what it ha- what that has done, what that ex- maybe not acceptance is probably the wrong word, but given the, the benefit of the doubt, and I think what that has done is created a bit of expectation of people saying, well, actually, we gave you the benefit of, of the doubt last season, but now we, we need to see some progression. We need to see some results on the pitch. And uh, that's, that's kind of why... I don't know if it's just because it's a new season and as John says, it's it's the championship and we all know what a, a, re- a really difficult league it is to get out of regardless of, of how much quality you have. It doesn't really care much for ego or, or the names on your team sheet. So I, I don't know really. I think probably the, the transfer activity, the more I thought about it, is um, not concerning me. I think that's probably a strong word, but it's certainly... Um, um, I don't know what the word I'm, I'm looking for really is, but it's it's kind of not turned me off slightly, but I, I think it's just made me a little bit concerned perhaps that it is driving those expectations too high and that it is um, making people perhaps have ideas above their station, which, which I think is absolutely right. Um, I don't know, there's just a few doubts I have in my mind at the moment and, and I guess they'll probably get addressed before the, the transfer deadline day, but um, I just think as it stands at the moment, there are a lot of things that probably need to be addressed. But then I think you could probably say the same, certainly of the two promoted clubs, but equally of, of probably the majority of the teams in the championship. I think you're completely right that the expectation around the club was that some of the business would have been done a little bit sooner. However, we all knew it was going to be this odd um, transfer window where usually there's a bit of an overlap, but not you know, you're not normally playing football for six weeks until the the window closes. So 
not many clubs that have got 33 players who could genuinely feel like they've got an opportunity to get in the first team, you know, if they were at the club at the end of the transfer window. So, yes, it's a huge squad. Um, however, I really do think that um, the the transfer activity has been sensible uh, in terms of the, the, address, the, the positions that they've tried to address. But you can't say that whether or not we've, we've had a successful window or not until um, we've watched a few of the new boys play. So, Matt Fionn, um, which of the new boys are you most looking forward to watching either via uh, a stream or in real life using your eyeballs? Well, yeah, so I have tried watching some of the preseason on a stream and uh, that was that was quite hard to get into and trying to work out who everyone was as well uh, was quite difficult. But, I mean, the, the, one of the signs I liked was um, Poeta. He seems something new and he seems all right from what I've seen. The other one I was really impressed with on, I can't remember what game it was, might have been Darmstadt, um, Bally Mumba. He had some really nice touches. I mean, I don't know if he's... Kind you know he's he's pretty young and I don't know if he'll be sort of much uh, much getting a chance but he seems quite uh, an interesting one um, should we want to sort of mix it up um, I mean he's kind of in that position that Kenny McLean might be in as well I've just got the Scotland game on in the background now and he's he sort of gave away quite a bad pass for the Czech Republic goal just now um, but yeah it's it's kind of I don't I don't know a lot about a lot of these players so it's um it's interesting but yeah again it's I think it's hard when if you're not going to be in the stadium when you kind of when you when you're sort of watching a players in the first game of the season and you've got that view of the whole pitch um I think that's kind of how you watch players off the ball and you you sort of make your first judgments based on that and I find watching on telly um, I find it a lot harder to make those sort of judgments because you can't see their movement um you can't always see how they're communicating with their teammates um, so I think that might be a, that might make it a bit more difficult to sort of make a judgment on these new players in the in the first few weeks of the season. It might take us a bit longer to uh, sort of get to know them and get to know those sort of characters. Well, from the the coverage that you've been able to to give so far, Connor, what, what about of, of those new players? Which ones do you think might surprise fans the most? Um, whether that be a newbie or, or or maybe someone who's been on on the fringes who we now expect to um, to play a bit more regularly. Oh, good question. Um, I think I think Poeta's a really interesting one uh, for, for a lot of reasons. For me, he's he's probably the most interesting in terms of what it means for Norwich's style of play. And maybe I'm reading too much into this, um, and it's quite possible that that's the case. But for me, dropping someone in who uh, I know that they are frankly laughing about how quick he is inside Colney. They they cannot believe how quick he is. Um, there was there was uh, someone who who I won't name who. Um, he was asked if who would win a race essentially between Darren Huckabee and, and Poeta and uh, obviously not now, Huckabee in his prime, um, even though I'm sure he's very quick now um, and and got told that, that Poeta would leave him in the dust quite significantly. So I, I think he, he's the one I'm intrigued about because if they're playing Wickham at home, for example, and that is going to be a game that they're going to have a lot of possession, you would, you would assume, to drop in someone who is supposedly very similar to, to Usain Bolt in terms of pace over 30 metres. That's that's an incredibly interesting dynamic to drop into a side that wants to keep the ball and likes to play with technical players. So that dynamic to me is is the one I'm most interested about. And then in terms of surprise, um, I, I would probably say one of the young fullbacks in terms of Sam McCallum or, or Bally Mumba. I thought um, Mumba was excellent on Saturday, actually. Probably the one who, and, and there were plenty who, who didn't take the opportunity, but, but I felt Bally Mumba did. And considering that was a lad who was playing in the Northern Premier League last season in, in non-league, he, 
he looked a, a championship player on the evidence of, of, of Saturday and it's one game and he's 18 so he can't get carried away but if Sam Byram's out for for a longer period of time or you know Max Aaron's if someone does come in for Max Aaron's during this transfer window then it seems to me you've got a, an option there who does have the sort of materials I guess to mould into into a very good right back and um Considering he's he's played only ten games for Sunderland, I, I thought he looked like a player who's who's twenty five, twenty six on Saturday. So they're, well, they're the two. They're the two for me. Clearly haven't you clearly haven't listened to the podcast. If you if you think that I can't get carried away, I can get carried away <laughs> overseeing someone for five minutes off the bench. Um, so punt. What about you? Um, new player that you're most looking forward to seeing. You had a couple of nods for Porchetta, or Porchetta as we've already agreed. You know, in the summer we were going to call him. Um, and what about uh, and obviously Mumba, who who did seem to get a lot of praise on from Saturday. Um, who else do you, are you really excited about watching in on a pixelated screen on your phone? How bad was I follow as well? Just on, the, I don't know if anyone watched the game on I follow. I get well, I might be the only one in the chat, but it was a, an absolute shocker. And if we've got that all season, or you know, kind of for a, a large portion of the season before we actually get back to grounds, like it's going to be a miserable experience on a Saturday or a Tuesday um, watching games because it was just buffering and then it was pixelated. And yeah, it was anyway. To answer your question, um, <laughs> um, I'm really excited about. Oliver Skip, for one, and I'm also excited about Poeta, and I think um, purely around Connor's point around pace, actually, the only real pacey wide man we've had over the last couple of seasons has been Onil Hernandez. He's been able to take us up the pitch a lot quicker than anyone else, and it just adds a, another dimension. I think, you know, if we've got options that we can play both of them at any one time, if we need to, if we're chasing a game, perhaps if we need to stretch the play, that, that would be really exciting to me. But Skip also, purely because... No one's really usurped Alex Tetty for seasons and seasons. And every season we almost say, you know, right, it's going to be um, Ibrahim Amadou or it's going to be, you know, Ben Godfrey that will step into defensive midfield or, you know, any number of um, defensive midfielders prior to that. And no one's been able to do it. And it seems like Skip has got the kind of pedigree we hope to be able to to go and do that. Um, he looks like he can he can pass as well as do all of the physical stuff. So he might be a bit of an upgrade on Tetty. I might be jumping the gun because I love Alex Tetty. And positionally, I think he's one of the best players I've seen ever play for Norwich City Football Club. Um, but yeah, I'd say those two, in terms of a surprise, um, it's obvious now because Ballymumba had such a good game on Saturday. I was really, really impressed with him. Um, offensively, he just looked phenomenal. And I think it's testament to... The recruitment around that one that they've plucked a lad from Sunderland as Connor said you know playing in, in a relatively um, low level last season as a defensive midfielder I don't think anyone had really properly seen him as an out and out fullback but Norwich's recruitment whether that was statistical or whether that was you know kind of scouting or a combination of the two to go and identify that that kid could be a really promising fullback I think you know hopefully will be patting Mr. Weber and, you know, kind of the recruitment team on the back at Norwich City because we're going to need a replacement for Max Terrence. If he doesn't go this window, it's going to be next window or the window after. You know, I think I think the model kind of proves that, you know, and Jamal Lewis's imminent exit proves that, that this is the way things are going to go. So, um, yeah, they'd be my two or three. I think it's interesting what you mentioned about uh, watching on, on iFollow and getting back to games because we we have had... 
Um, we're recording this on the evening um, and the club has kind of confirmed now and put into writing on the website the, um, the one in four uh, approach for the for the getting back to games and that, you know, season ticket holders are going to be able to to watch either the Preston, Derby, Birmingham or Wickham game. Um, and they've got kind of a four window um, process of doing it. The details are all on the, the canaries.co.uk website and they'll be all over socials by the time this goes out as well. That, but it looks like it's going to be uh, up to 8,000 supporters. Uh, and I was thinking about um, the sound. I was thinking about how that might be because if you're one in four, one in five seats away from people, it's going to be a bit odd to kind of start chants and start singing. Um, and and the, one, the one thing that concerns me about uh, having a a just under third full. I do think you need people around you to kind of sing and, and be positive and generate noise. So I almost, I almost feel like the atmosphere is not necessarily going to be help the home or away team. I think it's more likely to help whoever is, uh, is going to help any, any away team that can take an early lead. If you can nick a goal early, I just feel that the, the, the comebacks and be interesting. This is something that NCFC numbers, you know, Steve does a great job on Twitter. Be interesting to get his take on this a few months into the season. I wonder if away, sorry, if home comebacks are an absolute minimum um, because effectively it won't be possible um, for, for the fans to get behind people when, when they do get a corner or have a shot go close at one nil down. Do, do you think I'm talking nonsense again, Fionn, or do you, do you follow the logic there? No, yeah, it makes sense, and I think we saw in the the lockdown games as well that that we just there were there were we had our moments where it looked like we could we could sort of you know push on if it was under normal circumstances the sort of scenario where we might have pushed I don't know maybe the the United Cup game a bit more in that and there I think there I can't remember them now because I tried to forget them but I think there were a couple of other instances in some of those home games where under normal circumstances we might have made a bit more of a fist of it um, but there was just absolutely nothing there uh, and so yeah I mean I think it'll be odd having having this sort of spaced out fans thing um, I think there'll be I mean there was I read some reports of when Brighton had the friendly with Chelsea the other week with two and a half thousand so even fewer and it sounded like people were sort of you know trying to get atmospheres going at that game but you I don't know how much of that was more because it's a sort of novelty thing um and as obviously it was a friendly so you can sort of have a bit of fun with it and and when it comes down to actually being real league games um how fans will react to that um so yeah it's it could go either way, really, but I mean, it's it's certainly not going to help home teams, I don't think. Um, which again is just a sort of another shame about this whole thing, really, that you're kind of losing all, losing all of those elements around it, really. Right then, so we we've covered off the the, the new players, but we haven't covered off um, the the things that they're going to be running around in. Um, this is a proper uh, pre-season preview, so we need to cover all angles. Uh, I'd like to take your your take first, John, as someone who has shifted. Um, probably nearly the same amount of merch as the as the club has in the last two or three years. Um, uh, how how has the the first two iterations of this season's kit gone down in the punt household? I think uh, well, with myself and my daughter, I think we're both kind of thinking that Araya have run out of ideas. I think we're we're kind of in that place now where the the home kit looks strangely reminiscent of that that kind of um, kit with Wes on the moped, you know that one, and the the controversial blue, teal, petroleo, whatever the fuck you want to call it, kit that, you know, people seem to have taken a real dislike to is really similar to that green away kit that we had before. So I, I think, you know, I've I've banged the drum for getting rid of this kit manufacturer 
for some time and I would continue to bang that drum and I think we should probably just ditch them and move to Hummel or Adidas. Although I don't know what the third kit will look like. Um, you know, do we have any intel around that, Mr. Parsley? I mean, in terms of the, the rest of the fans, um, what I can tell you is that the sales figures are mean that you are in the minority as, as per normal punt. Um, they, they've sold uh, 15% more of the home kit than the last championship season and, and 20% up on the away kit as well. So they are they are shifting shirts. And I, I, I do think that that kind of goes to what what you were saying right off the top, Connor, that we, this has been a summer of relative positivity. I think most of us knew the writing was on the wall in quite big font before lockdown. And therefore, we all kind of thought, well, if they have an amazing first two or three games, you never know. It, you know, the impossible miracle might be on. But actually, very quickly, they showed us that they weren't going to make any effort. And it was just abysmal. Um and I think that most of us kind of immediately switched to, oh, well, we'll win some games in the championship. That's fine. We'll enjoy ourselves. Um, and and kind of therefore the, the positivity has almost had a really, really long time to build up because it, it built up over the last eight games of the last season, really, when, when it was kind of over and done with. So it's interesting that they did, they've did. they sold a lot of shirts. Um, I'd be interested in, in the sales figures since Luton, though, because... I do think that that part of the part part of that positivity might be tempered a bit, and maybe there'll be even more positivity dipping after Huddersfield on Saturday. Um, but I, I think Connor, those shirt sales suggest that you are with many people in being positive about the season. Yeah, I, I think I think you're probably right. I mean, I've I've got no real strong opinion on on the kit, but I, I know that they were that there were there were some people who who were braced for a, a pretty negative reaction in in terms of that away one um so I, I think they're pretty pleased with how it's gone down in in, in truth um but no i, I think it is, it is probably reflective of that and kind of leads into what i was saying about this sort of feel of a new era even though the head coach is the same the sporting director is the same um okay the squad's radically different but realistically that's that's the only real change even though there's still some familiar faces about and um, they are trying, at least to me, it feels like they are trying to sort of change the narrative and, and shift things on a little bit and to present it as sort of Norwich City 1.2, I think, rather than probably Norwich City 2.0, which uh, is, is, has been discussed. And I think it, it, it all feeds into the narrative. There's a reason that they wanted to get out so many signings so quickly um, after the season ended. And some of those had to be brought forward, I think, because of um, perhaps clubs at the other end getting itchy feet. But um it, it all feeds into messaging and communication. And I think that's that's probably what we've seen shift this summer because they were so eager to get rid of that hangover from the Premier League campaign because they they their performances made a month feel like six. You know, it was it was really difficult to watch. I mean, I was, I say privileged, uh, I'm not sure if people would agree with me, but I was fortunate enough to, to be at those games behind, or certainly the home games behind closed doors. And they really were bleak. Um in terms of every aspect and I know what we said before about fans in grounds and, and perhaps it not being the same with a reduced capacity but equally um, the alternative when you're in the ground with no fans is, is much much worse and uh, I know the other day at Kenilworth Road that they, they tried to pump in artificial crowd noise which um, apparently was, was pretty terrible so um, I, I think it's, it's all about feeding into this positivity and, and trying to shift the narrative on a little bit um, and, and I think that's probably reflected in their transfer business as well, because they've signed players that people will look at Jordan Hugo, Ben Gibson. They're the names they know. They're not signing players from the, the German second division. In fact, I don't think anyone from, from Germany is coming during this window. So it's a, a real shift in terms of how they're trying to do things, I think. And 
that all leads into trying to get people back on side and trying to change the message a little bit. And um, I, I think the shirt sales probably reflect that, that they've done a fairly decent job in that so far. But ultimately, we, we saw it on Saturday. It kind of felt like someone had burst the bubble. I think if if uh, they lose to Huddersfield, then that is going to that is going to increase, isn't it? So it's, especially, it's quite... especially if they, if they field what um, those positive fans view as a strong team. Um, there's a there's a there's a question in the we're going to get onto the the mailbag and because we've had an absolute bulging sack thanks to um, us not being around for you know for for a month or so. Um, I think we'll move on to it because there's a question in there, uh, John, in particular around um, who we might start with and whether or not those that that uh, might be headed off um, by the end of the window are still going to be started and used uh, earlier on, you know, in, in our early games because we've got them available to to pick from. And I think that's a really good place to kick off the listener questions. Yeah, no worries. Well, the question I think you're making reference to is from Twitter, and it's a chap called Bear Swift, and um, he's saying, "Is there a risk?" With so many players coming in, will it unsettle the squad? See Fulham 2018-19. With an expedited close season, they have even less time to gel. If this does prove to be the case, how long do you think it will be before Farker knows his best 11? And I guess that's something that we were talking about earlier today, Tom, is if you... I mean, I was trying to construct my proposed 11 for for Saturday, and actually I found that a difficult task um, in itself. But it was then when I thought, right, well, who's going on my bench that I wrote out seven names that, that were most obvious in my head and then looked at the squad and went, oh, shit, I've missed him. I've missed him. I've missed, you know, I really, you know, seasoned professionals, you know, with loads of experience that I just completely forgotten about. And it does lead into the point that you're making about how is he possibly how is Farker and, you know, and Weber, you know, in a, in a more limited fashion, how are they going to manage this situation? Because. As soon as you start getting disgruntled professionals in and around the squad, that can become toxic quite quickly. And I just hope they have a plan for that. But, you know, we'll see. I think it's going to be the biggest test yet of the no dickhead policy that, mm. that Weber is, is really big on. Um, the I mean, he still talks to you, Punt. But um, I think if we have uh, you know, 18 professionals that are really keen to to, to maintain a really good culture... Uh, on on match day, that's great. But then, what about the the like you say, the four or five who don't even get to go to Park Farm Hotel before they head to the game or whatever, and that they're just going straight to the ground in their civvies? Um, Fion, um, put you straight on the spot. Uh, pick your eleven for Saturday. Oh no, you can't do that. Uh, <laughs> I have to look at the. I have to look at the uh, look at our list of squad now to actually remember who's in it. Well, while you do that, I'll, I'll pick up on what you said, punt. Because to be completely honest, if if I were to be put on the spot and and told to name the 33 um then i honestly think i would i don't think i'd be able to do that in in 30 seconds because it is it's so difficult because you are almost i almost feel like you're naming three eras i feel that we've currently to go to your point connor about narratives i almost feel like again we're going into acn um season four here and I feel like I'm naming characters from three different series of 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 this um, continuous sitcom. Um, I call it a sitcom rather than a soap opera because it is funny sometimes. Um, as, as in <laughs> watching Norwich is funny sometimes. Um, so yeah, it's. I, I think it is ever so difficult. If you if you go to if you go through the the first one, you've still got a few people hanging around from that first fantastic, um, boring season. Um, but then mostly it's 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 players from that second glorious one 
you know, because all of the new cast from series three, you know, none of the fans liked those new characters. And so the writers have mostly written them out um, already. Uh, and then, yes, it, series four is, is where we go. I mean, unfortunately, there is this starring role still for this Lucas Rupp guy that um, the fans don't like. And if there was a Norwich City uh, Comic Con, then I don't think there'd be many people in the queue or, or dressing up as him turning up. Right, Fionn, I've given you enough time. Give us your, <laughs> give us your 11. Right, OK. So, right, Tim Krul and Goal. I can, I can start with that one. Um, so you'd, Max Aaron's... Uh, Gibson's injured, isn't he? So probably Zimmerman and Godfrey. I'd go at the back. Um, left back, Zavi. Is he fit? Is he going to be all right? Uh, it was. It was. A, it was. A, it was. A, it was soreness, wasn't it? Wasn't he? Wasn't we told it was soreness for him? Yeah, I think he'll be all right for Saturday. Okay. Um, yeah, I think. I think definitely start Skip in midfield because I think he he seems good in preseason. I think he'll be he'll be sort of wanting to to Far could be wanting to build the team around him. Um, Possibly Kenny alongside him, I think, um, assuming he gets through this Scotland game. Um, and then I think I think Anel, um, I think you have to play Emmy, uh, although I'd like to see Poiretta as well, but maybe he's better coming on as a sub, I don't know. Um, and then um, Pookie or Hugel, I think I'd go with Pookie. Um, and then have I got one more? So I guess Kieran Dow. Number 10. So that's the exact 11 that I wrote down before we started talking. But you name a bench from there. So I'll tell you what, Tom, give us a bench from there, then seven players to stick on your Well, I wouldn't, I, that's not the 11 I would I would choose. All right. Um, but I, if you I, did choose that, give us a seven. Because seven I'm, a, I, I'm actually of the opinion that um, you don't play the players that you're expecting to go. Um, now, we won't be able to know whether or not he's done that, and for sure, really, until the end of the window. Um, you know, we don't know if there has been a bid that, that has been kept a bit more quiet than some of the other noisy bids that we've had um, for a couple of other players. Uh, but I, I don't think there's anything else you can do at centre-back simply because even if Gibson was, was fit, he he's not he's, hasn't got had the minutes, has he? He hasn't had the time with the squad, so you wouldn't have thought yeah. that he would go he's straight no in. no kind of football either. No. So long. I think the first or the last league game he played was 2019. So, but I, I would play. I would play Toddy because I think that I, I think that we should keep him, um, and really, really try to keep him if we can. And I, and I think it's more realistic to keep him than Emmy. Um, and or, or, or rather, we you could phrase it whichever one you think is you are going to keep. If there's been any interest or or what how the lads seem and how how their attitude seems. I think it's unlikely we'll sell them both in this window. Um, and therefore, the one that you think you're most likely to keep, I would say you're playing and the other one's on the bench. OK, um, that's fair. And, and, and I think I think Toddy is more likely to stay and more likely to be able to be motivated to stay um, and be, be able to be talked into having a Madison-style season where he gets a great move in either January or, or the summer. Um, but, but yeah, I, I would um, I would actually start Hoogle, Um it's an away game. We uh, need to be. We need to change and be a bit more physical. I think on on the road this season, and yeah, I would actually start Hugel um, and and bring and then bring Puki on or change it if we need to, um, because I think that that sends a, a nice message to Puki that this boy has been brought in on an equal and an even keel. You were you know the goat a year and a half ago, but you did not deliver at all. Um, even when there was not bad service at times last season, 
you know, from halfway through the season, you and everyone else in the Premier League squad, basically apart from Tim Krull, is starting at starting at earn your place territory. Um, and so that, that that would be how how I would do it. But um, from from a bench point of view, you're completely right. It's, it's really tricky to to pick it um, because of because of the number of players. I I, I agree that um, getting Porchetta on from the um, from the bench would be could be really really exciting. But I, I think he'll start him. I wouldn't, but I think he will start him. I I think they they really what, instead like of Onel. Yeah, I do. Yeah, because if you remember. Um, if you, well, going back to what you said, Connor, uh, the, the comparisons that you've heard, I've actually heard that he's been compa- compared to Edie when he broke through in terms in terms of uh, knocking the ball one side and then just running the other. You know, like old school, what people mm. would do in the park when you had a bigger boy playing with a smaller boy and they would just knock it past you and run. I've heard it's like road runner, silly speed. Like like when Edie first came on as a sub in those first few games and, and I, I was there, I saw, saw his, his debut and... Um, I think it was Vitesse Arnhem. I think was he came on a sub first, but mm-hmm. it, it was it was like around that time, and it was. I still haven't seen a player play for Norwich who was so in, just insanely faster than everyone around him, um, and apparently he's like that. So I, I think he will start him as an X factor on Saturday. Yeah, I I, I can see that. Um, e- equally, I I would say that uh, obviously Buendia suspended, isn't he? So there's 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 no sort of reason to, to well he won't be involved so I, I think that might open the door a little bit for Campwell it wouldn't surprise me if it was if it was Poeta and Campwell um, with, with Dowell in the 10 and probably Pukki I think that that would be the the, the four that I, I would I would see playing um, I, th- I think he'll probably try and get a mix of new additions and ones that, that perhaps are, are tried and tested if you like in the championship because we've seen from Daniel Farker before he doesn't like to to sort of drop in new signings. As as for Gibson, I mean, it's it's difficult to know where he is after sort of two years of of not playing. So um, I think there there are a lot of selections that are, that are probably more natural than others. But yeah, that bench is going to be very difficult to fill. Um, but I I can't see him chucking in sort of seven of, of of the ten or eleven if you like, so to speak. I think it will probably be maybe three or four rather than than sort of nine or ten. Cool. So next question, please punt. All right, this one's ready made for you, Mr. Parsley. So it's Lewis MFTT from Instagram, and he asks if the worst happens and Farker doesn't pick out some results in the opening five or ten games, how long do you think the board will give him? Historically, they've sat on their hands a touch too long. Will the will the expectation of this season's success force their hands sooner than would normally be expected? Now, I'd, I'd say it probably won't force their hand earlier than would be expected because what usually forces the board's hand, and this is if we're playing hypotheticals that it, it goes ticks up quite quickly but it's the fans isn't it that, that as soon as they hear there's that kind of dissent in, in the stands that's often a trigger for for our board but if we've got eight thousand or six thousand seven thousand fans in the stadium it, it's not going to be as vitriolic so i i think given weber's comments about the fact that you know as long as i'm here daniel will be here i think he'll stick with his man for as long as humanly possible I, I think it completely depends on the manner. Uh, if if the if the toothless style defeats uh, show their head from the end of last season, I don't think I think it would be negligent for the for the senior guys at the club to to not to not remove him. But I don't think that that will happen. I I, I purely I purely think that um, almost any of the top. 25 to 30 coaches 
in currently in English football, given the squad that we've got, I think it would be actively difficult for them not to pick up at least you know 50-60% positive results um, in a championship season, simply because the talent in that squad... Um, now, I appreciate that you know, I haven't seen Skip play more than highlights and, and clips and, and very difficult to follow pre-season game. I think he played one of the halves of one of the ones I watched. Um, and yeah, I haven't seen Mumba and I haven't seen some of these guys, but um, I have seen loads of the squad play in person loads of games and we're not going to sell all of them. Like Even if we sold four or five of them, I'm still going to have seen most of that squad play. That is a really good championship squad. I mean, that is a really strong championship squad. And I just, I simply don't think that there is much chance of it going that badly wrong, that, that he that his position will will be questioned in that way. Um, it would only happen, I think, if uh, the, if, so what would really frustrate me would be if we are, if we are sticking with a make plan A better, let's not show any kind of t- tactical flexibility. We are really, really easy to stop. That would really, really annoy me if we aren't able to utilise these different types of tools that we've brought into the squad in order to, to be a more challenging proposition for people who are going to park the bus against us. That would annoy me, but I still think we've got enough quality that we will end up getting the results that will mean that it won't actually be a real talking point, if you see what I mean. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I I cannot see him going purely because I don't think there will be the the, the run of results that would cause it. Now, if... To, but to, to take the question on its merits of yeah hypothetically we we win three of the first ten they'll go he's our man he's done it before he, he play he tries to play the right football our academy plays in Daniel's style you know Daniel 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 he's the boss he's the boss he's the boss if it was six from twenty you know it's it starts to be a bit more difficult and it depends on if there are some teams that have basically done worse than us I also think it depends on what Bournemouth and Watford do. Because um, context is massive, and if they if they seem to have, have have kind of flown out of the traps, and if they if by late November, early December, they're both in the top six and we are um, in the bottom eight, um, then that contextually looks a lot w- worse than if all of the three relegated teams are between tenth um, and seventeenth. If you see what I mean, um, I think it will shine more of a light on the fact that look, we all you know we all had similar budgets although I know they've, they've got a lot more cash generally but you know we, we're all in a similar situation why have they shaken off the the losing mentality faster than us um so yeah I I think that I think that there is absolutely no football club and no relationship that can survive terrible results and as much as Weber might say that he will also have his replacement lined up or, or a list of three or four replacements lined up mm. if he was forced to have to do it um, but I, I honestly think the squad's got too much quality for that to happen. I, I think we will finish in the top eight, um, and I think I don't think we'll be much lower than tenth at any point this season. Um, I, I'm not I'm not confident necessarily that we'll we'll necessarily finish in the playoffs, but I do think that we will be in playoff contention until at least late February, early March time, just because of the quality in the squad. But do you think so? Kind of leading into to where you're, that seems to be for you as a baseline that you're kind of anywhere between first and and ninth ish, like might be acceptable. I I don't read the fan base as, as uh, you know, kind of deeming that that eighth or ninth or will be acceptable at all. You know, and, and actually, in quite strong terms, they will let the club know if we are struggling to meet the playoffs. Or if, it really seems to me like expectation is 
we're going to go up automatic this season, which is beyond ridiculous. It's the championship. You know, it's no yeah. one hisses this league. You know, no, you know, probably Newcastle. Well, um, we did a few seasons. I mean, back, we didn't but... piss the league. No, we, no, we didn't. Absolutely. You know, with, with with three or four games to go, we were confident we were going to do it, but we were still nervous going into mm-hmm. the games. Um, and and yeah, piss the league means there's five. You know, piss the league is a Celtic season. You know, it's five yeah. games to go, and you can start playing the kids. Um, no, we I I completely agree with you. I think general expectation um, is is kind of where Connor was two weeks ago. Um, but I, I honestly think... Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. That boy. Uh, I wouldn't I, go that far. <laughs> no, I, I, I think people were in, incredibly, inc- are incredibly confident. And I, I also think that let's... Putting aside the fact that let's not make out that people are idiots. They know this is a really, really difficult league. Now, Norwich fans are, are, are... We are a really knowledgeable bunch when it comes to the top end of the championship, right? Because in the last 10 to 12 years, we've spent a great deal of time being in, in the hovering between 17th and 26th place in the English football pyramid, right? We we know that, that that is our manner. That is our neck of the woods. Us, West Brom, we, we know that area of, of, of the of the English league. Um, so Norwich fans know that. So let's not patronise them by suggesting that they're not they're not taking that in, in, into account. I think what they're what they're saying is um, look at this squad. Look at how yeah. much you've got to choose from. Look, you know, you cannot. All of the excuses are gone. You know, the excuses of didn't have the money, can't have that now. The excuses of not getting our business done early for whatever reason, can't have that excuse. Um, the excuse of, uh, oh, well, there's no one to back up Pookie. Yep, we spent big money on that. Like, yeah, if we get a whole bunch of injuries again, then, okay, there might be some, some, some excuses that come in. I'm not going on what I think is acceptable from a fan's point of view. I think to finish outside the playoffs would be a huge failure. However, I think if we finish between six and ten points outside to play us, that will be enough to keep his job. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that, that's what I'm. That's the answer to the question. Is, is yeah, I yeah. don't think he'll be sacked because I don't think we'll be far enough away that the the most level-headed people we've got running the club will go. Look, if things went, you know, if Anel didn't miss that chance, if Puki had taken that penalty, if that handball had been spotted by the ref, because you know all of that nonsense is going to be there to see this season again. Um, if you know, if we can point to five or six games that had they gone slightly differently, we'd be in the playoffs. You don't sack a manager on that basis um, unless you've literally given him like, you know, 70 million to spend or something. And and we haven't done that. You know, we haven't bought an, embar- an embarrassing number of, uh, of players in terms of money. So, yeah, I, I think that I, I think we will finish just shy of it or or in it. And that will be enough to, to keep his job. I completely accept that there will be people who who want him to go if we are more than two wins off the playoffs in October, <laughs> I accept that, but I, I, I don't think that the club would, would pull the trigger at that, at that point. Okay. Fionn, what do you think your minimum expectation is of this season in terms of league position? I think we will be in the top eight. And so I think if we miss out on the playoffs, I think it will be by, by not a great amount. Um, just cause I think we're, the championship is not, particularly strong this year it doesn't like there's no one and I include us in this there's no one really jumping out that they're going to piss the league or whatever um and I think a lot of the stuff people are talking about on Twitter with piss the league I sort of feel like that's tongue-in-cheek hopefully yeah. um but yeah I, I mean and I think our squad is is our squad stronger than two years ago yeah I think it is I mean Pookie is two years older um so you know and doesn't have the element of surprise but I think in terms of what we've got, I think it's it's stronger than that squad was. And yeah, like I said, the the the, the other teams are not 
you know, the, obviously the championship, there is always a sort of surprise team that you're not expecting or, or a few surprise teams. Um, and this, this season is going to be a strange one anyway, because the fixtures are absolutely relentless. Um, and, uh, and we're all sort of starting at a, a, a weird time. So you're sort of going to be, you're going to sort of lose that, that sort of rhythm of it, I guess, maybe. Um, it's slightly less relentless now we're out of the cup. So that was a yes, very true. <laughs> yeah, it's kind Daniel. of... You can't, you can't sort of all, all that sort of familiar framework has gone slightly. So you know we're all, we're all sort of slightly confused about what what month we're in and stuff like that. When you kind of pin everything on the football season, usually. Um, so yeah, I would say that I think I think we are definitely good enough to be in that top eight. And yeah, I, I, I would be really surprised if uh, if we got rid of Farker this season. I think he'll be our manager this time next year. And. Uh... Uh, just on that on that point of kind of familiarity, I do think it. That, that just the one thing I would say about moaning at Farker if things aren't going our way. Because um, you're actually, good at that. I'm very very good at that, mate. I mean, I, and I, I've also I'm also out of work now as well, so I'll be taking <laughs> quite a lot of rage into the, into those games if things don't go very well. And this is my point. I mean, my voice carries pretty well anyway, but in a relatively empty stadium, Daniel's going to hear pretty much everything that is shouted loudly enough there is not going to be much of a general hum uh, and as much as we're going to hear all the curse words on the pitch the benches are going to hear exactly what we think mm. and and the, and the board are going to hear exactly what we think in in the um in the director's box because actually if things are going badly and there isn't like a happy hubbub atmosphere then come late october early november some of the little kind of odd little shouts that you picked up on the telly instead you, you I think the, the coaching staff will be hearing specific questions of whether or not uh, he does know exactly what he's doing but look, I'm, again just to go back to what I said earlier I do not think that's how this season will go I, I think we will win more games than we lose uh, and I think we will be there or thereabouts because I think that I think uh, well I, and I, I obviously it's hope because you haven't seen it yet but it seems at least like Weber has had another um, sensational window and kind of after a disappointing third album, the fourth album has come back with a lot more hits on it that he's going to be playing at the festivals next summer. I see. I, I agree with that kind of largely. And I look at it and, and every logical part of my brain says, well, look, we've got a squad to compete. We've, you know, to Fionn's point around the fact that the, the fixture list is relentless. We have a group of players to support that now, actually, you know, even if there were five, six injuries to, to key personnel, you've got players that are able to, to come in and, and replace them and you'd hope do a, a really competent job. Um, but every time we've got relegated from the Premier League and I've thought we're going to do well, we never have. And every time we've been promoted, I've kind of thought, or, oh, you know, done really well in the league. I've gone into that season with zero expectation. So I'm kind of stealing myself. For, oh yeah, this probably isn't going to go as well as I, as I think it is. Right then, next question. This time is going to go to Connor. Punt, pick a good one. All right. Well, we've talked about it to an extent, but Matthew McGregor has asked about how worried we should be about the lack of home advantage with no fans. It wasn't the only reason for the disastrous restart, but it definitely contributed. Well, yeah, look, I, I think it's 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 definitely a factor. I don't think you can you can hide away from that. Whether it's quite a, a bigger factor as as Daniel Farker would have you believe towards the end of last season or not, I'm not so sure, but. There's there's definitely a factor, and and it is the same for for both teams. There are some teams, I'm sure we could we could name a few tonight that probably feed off winding home fans up a little bit. Um, 
and Norwich certainly aren't one of those. But uh, I think that that will that will affect away team as well. So ultimately, I think where Daniel Farker is right when he when he talks about it probably favouring the team that has better players, the team that has individual quality. Um, and in this division, Norwich City have that in abundance at the moment. So by that logic, you would hope it it favours them. But Carrow Road is is a stadium where the fans are close to the pitch, the atmosphere. Um, sort of bounces around. Well, certainly a few of the stands, maybe not, maybe not all of them, but it's it it, it does make a difference. And, and there are teams that that don't like coming to Carrow to play, and and it will have an impact. And um, certainly for I think the old guard who remember what it was like in in that championship title winning season, where the, the atmosphere was so good inside Carrow, it's going to be difficult to to hype yourself up in the same way. Of course it is, but. Um, they're in a position now where they're going to be dominating more of the ball, and they're going to hopefully get a bit more confidence in terms of how they how they move the ball and what they do with it when they are in possession of it. So, you would hope that in this division, crowd doesn't have as much of an impact as perhaps it would in the Premier League, where they were a significantly worse team. They're they're a better Championship team than than a Premier League team, that's for sure. So, you would hope that their football does more of the talking than. Than the fans would need to, because ultimately, if they're playing Wickham at home, then to, to be frank, I, I don't think the supporters can perhaps offer them any more because they—that's again—they they should win and they know they should win, and um, then it's about mentality and mindset. And I think that's that's probably more important, particularly at the moment, that they're in that right mindset, and that's why shifting this culture a little bit in terms of twelve straight defeats, and even if that's new players, you feel it. Um, so I think that's that's going to be significant, but. It's going to be the same for everyone. You could, you could say that it will work better for them away from home um, as, as opposed to, to at home. So I think it depends how you look at it, but I think they should be OK with the squad that they've got. Just going back to what you said about um, the 12, 12 straight wins and changing the mindset, um, just to repeat, because I, you know, I am on the market, um, having not having a job, I, I have just bought 48 cans of Brewdog and they were delivered today. I might drink all of them if we get a win on Saturday. <laughs> so just, well, I, I don't drink. Well, come and join and, and uh, come and join and watch me. Um, yeah, it's going to be at some point we are going to win a game of football, Fionn. Um, how, how are you going to celebrate it when it finally happens? Um, I guess I'll be I'll probably be getting on my phone, which is how I how I experienced the Luton game on Saturday. Because yeah, I'm I'm sort of struggling with the enjoyment of the streams. Um, it'll, I think it'll be relief when we win a game. Um, I think everyone on Twitter will will do the piss the league memes again. Uh, and if we win on Saturday, I think there will be a lot of that. Um, yeah, it would just be really nice to win a game, wouldn't it? Right, one last one last one question last then, one. John. Let's pick a good one. Hang on. Well, it's probably something we've talked about ad nauseum, but Chris Ogden says, which of our most sought-after players do you think we need to keep to get promoted again this season? So he's of the view that we can let Jamal Lewis and Buendia go, but Godfrey, Aarons and Campwell are must-keeps for him. I don't think there's any chance of keeping uh, Godfrey and, and Aarons. I, I think... I've thought that Ben is the most likely to go from the start. Um, 
and I think he's the. I think he's probably the one who wants to go the most, and he he probably feels his career almost needs him to. I don't think he. I don't think he would think that he could um, necessarily afford to to drift back into obscurity and and, and maybe drop out of the England under twenty one picture if he if he had a whole season in the championship, especially if the team was not at the the very very top end and and not getting as much coverage on on Sky etc. So so yeah, I, I would. Um, I, I don't think it's possible that we'll keep him, but. You never know. Uh, we could end up with him. To answer the question, I really, really would like us to try and, and make a big play for, for Toddy, even if that means restructuring his deal very slightly. Um, I, I honestly think that the, 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 the way in which he shone last season, when he was on and when Norwich were playing well, I, I feel that that was one of the very, very few bright points of last season, his development. Um, and I, I think that him and Dowell behind either a Hoogle or a Pookie, um, that they could really, really cause teams problems because they've, there's a directness to Campwell that there isn't necessarily to Emmy. Now, Emmy's probably a better all-round technical player, but I almost have a feeling that, that, that Toddy might be slightly better suited to what I think is going to be a need to be a more physical championship campaign than the last time we were in the, in the league. Again, pointing to what Fionn just said about the teams that are in there and the players that are in there this time around. See, I couldn't disagree with that point more in terms of um, Emmy's suitability for the championship against Todd's because for me, the season, the reason or one of the reasons that, that Todd not struggled in the championship because you know he had a decent breakthrough year but didn't do as well as I think he's done in the Premier League is because he's less of a physical specimen. He's got less kind of core strength than someone like a, a Buendia and you get a little bit more time on the ball in the Premier League and perhaps because he was a completely unknown quantity, you know, he got a lot more time in on the ball in the Premier League and, and, until teams started to find him out a little bit. Um, Buendia, uh, certainly the fact that he's completely on the same wavelength as, as Puki, I, if we could keep hold of him, you know, and you, we could have him motivated, then absolutely he would be the first name that, that I would be talking about keeping. But with Campwell, just going back to him for a second, he hasn't looked that great in pre-season. And I, I know it's pre-season and it, and it means pretty much nothing, but I just wonder whether his head is completely attuned to getting ready for another championship season. Connor? I, I think they'll be in a position where they keep more than they sell. Um, I think that they will find themselves come October the, what is it, 16th, with one of Todd Campwell and Emmy Wendy still at the club at least. Mm. Um because there there has to be a point where you draw the line because if you sell free, then the other two are going to want to go and you have to kind of make sure you retain the competitive edge to it. So um, I, for example, sitting here now, I, I, I would imagine that they probably only anticipate maybe one more of the, the so-called big ones going. Um, no, I, th- I think they're expecting to. I, I don't think they're expecting to sell uh, Emmy or Toddy. I think the, the thinking has always been one of them will go and that two of the, the three defenders will go. I think that's the expectation. Possibly, but who possibly. could you sell now? Who could you sell that without then looking at a, a replacement? Because if you sell Max Aaron's, uh, Byron's injured long-term. Yeah. We've only got Ballymumber as a right-back in the Championship. I don't think we can sell Max now. I don't think we're in a position to sell him. And it's one thing that keeps kind of coming back into the back of my head is Stuart Webber talked, and I, don't, I can't remember if it was at a supporters dinner or whether it was an interview that he did around talking about the prospect of relegation and these young players and, you know, would they want to be moved on and, and would they kind of kick up a stink? 
And and he was really clear. And it's really interesting to hear about his mindset of, of him saying, look, I'll, we will sit them down and, and we will tell them in no uncertain terms, we gave you your opportunity. You kind of owe us, you know, give us a season. Um, and I think those conversations, although they probably didn't anticipate having to have them, maybe now we're in the position where, you know, a lot of people's transfer business is kind of taking shape or is is done they might be having to have those conversations with someone like Ben Godfrey who who thought he'd get a move this window because Rio Ferdinand would would you know talk him up at any available opportunity but you know someone like Max Ahrens because of the injury situation with with Sam Byron he's perhaps not going to get a move I, I just think that that adds another dynamic to, to kind of managing these personalities over the next few months. I, I, uh, yeah, I, I'm not. I think with uh, with Max, you're you're right because of the Byram injury. Um, we would now need to buy a replacement where before we maybe wouldn't wouldn't do, um, or or look at a loan. But I think the kind of money we would get for him would mean that that would be a perfectly feasible thing. You you can buy a very very good championship right back um, for you know we might end up slightly overpaying because it might be later in the window than ideally we do our business, um, or we can get a loan from the from the Premier League maybe and we end up with a couple of young. Um, young options, um, one a Premier League right back, you know, kind of prospect to, to you know, alongside Mumba as well. Um, that that's still the way I think it will go. I still think we'll lose both those two, and I think we'll we'll lose one of the two um, kind of tens or one of the two of the front front three star players. Um, but look, I'll be absolutely delighted um, if we don't. I'll be over the moon if we keep all of them. Um, it's going to be a hell of a job to to try and keep people happy, and it might we might end up having to do some emergency loan style stuff towards the end of the window if it becomes clear that no bids have come in and there's no bids coming, and um, we might need to loan some players out. But uh, no, I, I think that would only strengthen. My, I might revise my prediction from from around the eighth mark to around the fifth or sixth mark if we were to have have that because you know Godfrey Gibson with Zimmerman in and around it, and Hanley if if he can get fit at, at any point. That is that is very very strong, very strong in the championship. So it's down to whether or not the coaching can fix some of the mental errors at, at switching off at set pieces and, and switching off just after goals and switching off just after half time and just generally switching off really. Um, that, but that's coaching and and, and I th- and that because it seems to be almost anyone who plays centre back for Norwich, I don't think you can put that at any individual player's door because it just seems to be a Norwich problem um, that we've had for three years. So, Connor, um, you're the only non-ACN person here, so you count as a guest. Um, pick the best, uh, pick the best question, and uh, we will be sending we'll be sending some merch to the lucky questioner. Well, I'll, I'll go for the one that caused the most debate, which I think was the Farker one, wasn't it? So, um, I, I think we'll go with that one. I, I'm terrible with names and memory general, so uh, the. I'm the Tom. Best... This is John. This is Fion. Nice to see you. Uh, hi guys, nice to see. You. Um, so, yeah, I can't remember who 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 asked the question, but uh, whoever it was, I think I think they, I'll, I'll give it to them. Are you talking about the how long will it be before Farker knows his best eleven, or how long it will be before Farker um, gets questioned? Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll go with the the second one. Yeah, the, the gets questioned one. I think that's that's a, that's an interesting point in general. I think. All right. Well, that's Lewis MFTT on Instagram. I can't believe you didn't remember that, Connor. So, Lewis, sorry, guys. Our, slide in our DMs, and um, we'll sort you out, mate. It's time for the return of the Along Come Norwich quiz. 
for those of you that don't remember because we didn't do a lot of it during the behind closed doors miserable portion of uh, of this running series um uh, it's a very simple uh, premise you have a minute to answer six questions um the guest always goes uh, first uh, so on this case it will be connor don't forget connor that you can pass and we'll come back to the ones that you uh, that you did that you passed on so you can you know only pass once and we'll move on and on and on and on um, your time, Connor, timed by punt, who will be ready, I'm sure, with the 60 seconds, starts now. In what month is your best mate Daniel Farker's birthday? <laughs> uh, September. Incorrect. Which Icelandic player has the most Premier League appearances? Ida Johnson. Incorrect. What, who is the last Leeds player to be a top scorer in the Premier League over a season? Mark Viduka. Incorrect. Who is the only player to score more Premier League penalties than Steven Gerrard? Wayne Rooney. Incorrect. Who refereed the Norwich Middlesbrough playoff final? Mike Dean. Correct. Who was sent off when Lowly Portsmouth knocked Norwich out of the FA Cup in 2019? Grant Hanley. Correct. In what month is your best mate Daniel Mark Farker's birthday? Uh, August. Incorrect. Which Icelandic (laughs) player has the most Premier League appearances? Oh, goodness. Uh, pass. Who was the last Leeds player to, to win the Golden Boot in the Premier League? Time. Okay, it's a very solid two out of six. Two is basically par. Over the, over the, okay. over the three and a bit years we've been doing this, two, two out of six is about par. Yeah, that's all You've got to remember that Leeds haven't been in the Premier League in my lifetime until... Uh, this year so you know oh, don't just... use age but look, come on Connor, don't give me that right and so uh fion and uh john uh can either of you tell me when daniel farker's birthday is um i'm gonna go may no 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 it's october i, I was telling i was telling uh connor so he's got time to get him a card and, and drop it off um oh. the icelandic player was uh Horidison. uh yeah, yeah. fion who is it the last leeds player to score the most goals in the premier league uh, I have no idea. It was Jimmy, Jimmy Floyd. Floyd. Yeah, yeah, very good. Yeah, uh, uh, the only player to score more Premier League penalties than Steven Gerrard. Either of you two? Um, He's Andy Cole. No, Shearer. Shearer. No. Uh, so it's Frank Lampard with thirty-two. Gerrard had twenty-nine, and just behind them on twenty-seven. I, I think I would probably have been guessing for six months before I got this. Mark Noble. Unbelievable penalty techers. <laughs> of course. Um, so yeah, you got you got Mike Dean and Grant Hanley. So it's two to equal uh, three to take the lead. Fion, your time, your minute starts now. From who did we sign Conor McGrandles in 2014? Paul Cook. Correct. In 97-98, all three domestic trophies were won by overseas managers. Can you name one of them? Uh, Arsene Wenger. Correct. Name a Chilean player to have scored at least two Premier League goals. Alexis Sanchez. Correct. Which was the first football club in the world to have United in its name? Ooh. Um. Ooh, Manchester. Uh... In- incorrect. Other than Antonio last season, name someone to score a Premier League hat-trick for West Ham. Paolo Di Canio. Uh, incorrect. Uh, which former Canary won Man of the Match in the 1995 FA Cup final? Um, Chris Sutton. 
incorrect. Uh, which was the first football club in the world to have United Time. in its name? Okay, you've got three out of six. That was a good effort. They were hard questions. Um, so the first football club in the world to have United in its name. Connor, you're a journalist. Absolutely no idea. Absolutely no idea. <laughs> Sheffield United. Uh, yes, it yeah. was. Have oh. you just Googled that? No, I haven't, but it's <laughs> Yes, uh, it was to do with them being a football and cricket club, I think, mm. uh, that from, from, from memory. Um, I say memory from when I Googled it. Um uh, so the, apparently uh, the West Ham uh, uh, penal, uh, uh, Premier League hat-tricks, you could have had Tony Cotty, Paul Kitson, Marlon Harewood, Kevin Nolan and Andy Carroll. Um, mm. was, there yeah, not, I... was there not one in, against us in... I was going to say, Mikel Antonio, yeah. yeah. No, no, yeah, the question was other than Antonio um, last season. Uh, right. That makes sense. Yep, yeah. uh, and the Canary man of the match, very well, significant. I think it was Everton that won it, so I'd guess at Dave Watson. No. Everton 95 FA Cup, wasn't it? It's, no, sorry, sorry, it's not the answer. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Ooh, it was... It's got to be an Evertonian then. Chris Woods? He didn't play for Everton, did he? No, but you are thinking of the right... Uh, the right team. Thinking, yeah. It's, it's, the wrong, it's the wrong team. Uh, he, he, didn't, he didn't play for that team. He played for Arsenal. Hang on, 95 FA Cup final. I might be 1992 even. <laughs> <laughs> 1993, you know that one. 1993, because the whole point was it was, it was there was there was Canaries. There was uh, Chris Woods helped us out by conceding the goal. It's Andy Linigan because Andy Linigan uh, was he man of the match. Well, he scored a goal. That's right. He scored the goal past Chris Woods. That's right. It was two Canaries that combined to send us into Europe. I, I don't really understand what question you asked now. <laughs> Doesn't matter because uh, uh, Fionn has taken the lead with three. Back um, to form. Well yeah, done, exactly. Parsley. He's back, and well, I think you'll find that the the uh, it was only the year that was wrong. The answer was right. Um, so, brilliant, uh, John. Uh, Do I time yourself here? Yeah, time yourself because I trust you. And um, right. your time starts. Now, name one of the competitions that we've played the scum in besides the League, FA Cup and League Cup. Hospital Cup. And, and that's not on the list. Uh, where did you and Roberts go when he left Norwich? Um, Gillingham. Right. What was unusual about Norwich's kit from 97 to 99? Um, it was all yellow. I'll, I'll accept. It was yellow shorts. Yeah. Um, Vivas first sponsored the club shirts in 2008. Who was the kit manufacturer that season? Sorry, who was it that sponsored it? Manufacturer. Aviva. Um, Pony. No, Zara. Uh, which club did we sign David Phillips? Um, Coventry. Correct. Which current Premier League club, uh, oh, sorry, which former Premier League club were uh, founded as Boscombe St John's Institute? Fast. Uh, name one of the competitions that I've got that we played scum in besides the leagues FA Cup and League. data systems yes. Yes. Cup. Yes. yes both of those are correct oh, um, that's my time okay very good so you got your four out of six and you did you would have got Zara if we'd have got round to that which yeah I got that five that's why six. I was trying to rush you around uh, and uh, can Fionn and uh, Connor tell us the answer to who was founded as Boscombe St John's Institute which really rolls off the tongue they should have kept it mm. AFC Bournemouth I was going to say Bournemouth, yeah. Yeah, very good. Um, cool. So that means that Punt makes a very, very strong start to the season with four and a bit. I'll give you an asterisk next to the four because it would have been five. 
Um, allowed to finish it. Uh, we didn't even do our, our match predictions. Should we do a quick score prediction? John, what's it going to be? 2-2. Two, two. Fionn? Uh, yeah, Desmond, 2-2. Two, two. And what about you, Connor? 2 under feet. I will go for a 3-1 win. Thank you for joining us, Fionn. Thank you for joining us, Pump. Thank you for joining us, Connor. I look forward to reading your sterling, sterling coverage of the uh, of the Canaries until uh, Farker bans you from, from Colney. Everyone enjoy the game and mind how you go. <laughs>